Today I want to, um, tonight I, I want to preach um, a message. It's uh, uh, somewhat of a sobering message, I think, uh, in, in my opinion. Uh, it is something that um, uh, the Lord allowed me to study a little while back, um, and I think it's just something every Christian needs to be reminded of. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever, um, if you've ever heard the phrase, uh, welcome to reality. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you were living in, uh, in a land that wasn't reality and, and, uh, something happened that kind of brought you down. That, that to me was, uh, gas prices when I got over here. Okay. I know I mentioned that this morning. I, it's just been overwhelming, uh, to see numbers greater than five. Okay. Uh, on that uh, thing, I, we saw one, I think six ninety nine. I mean, it was just barely before seven or close to seven anyway. And I guess seven's a good number, just not at the gas stations. Okay. But, um, but, uh, but it was like, welcome to reality. Okay. Uh, you thought gas prices were something welcome to reality here. And, and, um, but, uh, but often when folks say that phrase, welcome to reality, what they're trying to say is don't forget this is real life. Don't forget this is real life. And, and today I, I want to take you, if, um, uh, if you would, uh, open your Bibles first to, uh, second Corinthians, uh, second Corinthians. And I want you to go to verse number two, <clears throat> second Corinthians chapter number two. And uh, look at verse number uh, number eleven. I'd like to to preach a message tonight, just just practically entitled "The Reality of Satan." The reality of Satan. Uh, look at uh, verse number eleven. It says here, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Uh, you know, uh, in wartime strategy. Uh, one of the one of the best things you can do. This is on the on the on the court for basketball or um, uh, on the soccer field. Uh, you'll often see folks watching the videos of the teams they're about to play. Uh, they like to see uh, how the opposition plays. Uh, who is the star player? Who's the one that has the ball the most? Uh, uh, how do they play defense? How do they play offense? They study their opponent. And the reason they study their opponent is because they want to conquer uh, their opponent. That is the objective. That is the goal. Uh, on the battlefield, the same. Uh, often military strategists, the goal is to know uh, how is the opposition going to strike? Are they going to strike? Are they going to play defense? Are they going to play offense? Um, uh, is there going to be a surprise attack? I remember uh, teaching about uh, Pearl Harbor, and there was always that conspiracy theory that, that we knew about Pearl Harbor and all of that. But, but the simple fact was it goes down in the history books as a surprise attack. There was no uh, knowledge that that attack was going to happen, and sure enough, it happened. And, and uh, anytime you see war or sports or competition or whenever there are two adversaries, it's often one studying the other to figure out how to best defend against that Individual, and that's really what we find in the Christian life. Um, the 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 um, uh, Paul here is is reminding us in Second Corinthians. Hey, we know how the devil operates. Uh, we know what the devil wants. Uh, we know uh, how the devil's going to try to accomplish what the devil wants to accomplish. And and tonight, uh, maybe you don't know that. And I'd like to just help enlighten you from the Word of God on 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 the devil, the reality. Uh, of Satan, and certainly the response of the saint to that reality. And uh, so I hope to, to study that with you. So, so kind of springboarding from 2 Corinthians 2.11, the idea that we don't want Satan to have an advantage, the idea that, that we are not ignorant of his devices. So let's learn about our opponent. Let's learn about the enemy of God uh, tonight, if we could. I'd like you to go back to Isaiah chapter number 14. Uh, Isaiah chapter 14. 
And then Isaiah 14, uh, we're going to look at a few verses, kind of uh, uh, really the, the origin, so to speak, just how we see this uh, uh, begin in Isaiah chapter 14. And, and look at verse number 12. In verse number 12 of Isaiah 14, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? I, I, when I think of morning, I think of extravagance. I think of beauty. Uh, goodness, I was just... I was beside myself this morning. I had the opportunity. I was up. We're on Georgia time. So 5 o'clock is 8 o'clock to us. 3 o'clock is 6 o'clock. Uh, so I was up real early this morning, and, and I stepped outside, and it was just, well, it was dark. <laughs> but, but when I went out a little bit later, uh, it was just beautiful. That sun was bright. It was cool. It was brisk. Uh, I just sat there taking in God's wonderful creation. But when I think about morning, I often think about beauty. And that, that certainly is uh, uh, here what's describing uh, uh, Lucifer, the son of the morning. How art thou, watch this, cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations. How much effect has Satan had on the nations, even as we see today? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend. This goes into the five I wills of Satan. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, verse 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. I'm reminded there, especially as I read verse 15, I'm reminded of Revelation 20, verse number 10, that says this, uh, lest we be uh, fearful, lest we be uh, uh, all is lost mentality. Revelation 20, 10 says this, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So lest we, we get into this mindset that our opponent's too great, all is lost, remember two things. Number one, God's on the throne, and number two, God wins. We know the end of the book, and we can, be rest, we can rest assured uh, in that fact. Today, I, I'd like to just study, if we could, uh, just very quickly, three points. First of all, we'll look at the titles of Satan, uh, we'll look at the tactics of Satan, and then we'll look at the timeless truths uh, for the saints. Let's pray. Lord, I love you, and I thank you for the wonderful privilege uh, it is to study your word. Lord, we are in a battle of battles. I, I look at uh, just even in, in my generation and in my time, Lord, and it is everywhere. It's flagrant. Uh, Lord, the devil has uh, what seems to be control, and you've even told us that in Ephesians chapter 6. And Lord, we are in a battle. And Lord, I pray that as we study who Satan is and, and how Satan operates, Lord, that we'll remember these timeless truths that the Word of God tells us how to conquer him. And Lord, I pray that it would be helpful in my personal walk, in my home. Lord, that it would be helpful in this church to your people. That it would be helpful in the homes that are represented here this evening as well. Lord, we cannot do this without you. My words would fail. My thoughts and opinions would fail. Lord, only the word of God has the power to transform a life. And Lord, I pray that the word of God through the Holy Spirit of God tonight would do a work. Lord, if it's a challenge we need, a reminder we need, an encouragement we need. Lord, I pray that what we stand in need of today, which is a whole lot, Lord, but what we stand in need of today would be accomplished this evening. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I have found that uh, one of the hardest times to preach is in between uh, teenagers and lunchtime. Uh, that is, uh, we actually have fourth-hour chapel at the school, and uh, anytime I preach uh, chapel, I'm standing between them 
and their lunch. And it's the most difficult thing. I, I think maybe a close second would be between adults and their ice cream. So I'm not going to try to keep you long this evening. I know we've got some wonderful treats uh, uh, ready for us. And uh, so I'm excited about that. But uh, I'll take you back just real quick, kind of to the, the impetus of all this, what started all of this. Uh, uh, a couple of um, summers ago, my family had the opportunity to go to the beach. We love the beach. And uh, uh, we, we got an Airbnb. And, and so we're staying there. We go down to the beach. And, and um, uh, I, we don't go to the beach. I don't go, I've never gone to the beach often. Uh, we live in Columbus, Georgia, a little bit of ways from it, I suppose. And, but we went down to the Gulf. And um, uh, I have uh, one of my daughters, her name is Elise, and, and one of the other ones is Vivian. And uh, so they're both uh, kind of just at the beginning, just at the, where the water meets the sand. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not a great swimmer, so it makes me real nervous when my kids are by the water. And so I'm always like, hey, don't go too far. Don't even go in the water. You know, I'm just, uh, please stay back. But, uh, but anyway, my wife had given me a lot of... Um, scary stories about critters on the, the beach, okay? Uh, and uh, so I'm always, I mean, I put my feet in the water and I'm thinking, this is game over. Something's gonna happen. In fact, our church secretary actually was just stung by a stingray. Uh, and uh, she they ended up, she's now in a boot. I don't, anyway. Uh, so, so, so the beach doesn't, we went to the Pacific Ocean yesterday and I stepped in there and stepped right back out. I'm like, you know, this is as far as I need to go. But anyway, so my kids are there and and I'm standing maybe from here to my kids or maybe those first two chairs and they're just in the water waiting and, and kind of about maybe, uh, maybe 10 feet from them this way, I see a little, a little, a little crab. Okay, just a little baby crab and it's nothing big. But I don't like crabs because one of the stories that my wife told me was a crab that nabbed at her feet. And I just thought, you know what? I don't really want to be exposed to a crab. But I thought, you know, here's that crab. It's right over there. And here's my two kids right over there. And as a, a goofy, sometimes funny father, I just kind of sat there and thought, hmm, I wonder what this crap is going to do to my kids, you know? But obviously the other part of me says, uh, there's a crab there. <laughs> and so I, I kind of yelled at my kiddos, uh, hey, Vivian, Elise, look that way, there's a crab. <laughs> and uh, so, so I'm starting to walk toward him, and, and Vivian sees him, I mean, she jets, as fast as you can run in water anyway. I mean, she may have been on top of it, I don't know, but she was jetting away from the water, and, and uh, Elise is over there, and Elise just kind of freezes up. I'm like, uh, Elise, move. She's like, Daddy, Elise, move, Daddy, you know, and she's getting a little nervous. So I, I walk over to the water. I'm getting a little bit of nervous, okay? This crab is getting closer ever so much. And so I walk toward the water, and, uh, and she just kind of leaps up at me, and I try to catch her as best as I can. We both fall. I'm like, this is game over. We're going to be eaten by the crab, okay? And, uh, I mean, it's just a little critter, I know, but it's a crab, and I don't like crabs because I have horror stories from my wife about crabs, okay? And, uh, and so, uh, but we end up getting away. The crab goes out where I even think we saw an, um, uh, we saw something else there. I don't remember what it was, but we saw other uh, critters in there and I thought, let's just go back to the Airbnb. Who really wants the beach today, you know? But uh, anyway, um, but uh, so, 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 so that all happened and uh, we get back to uh, Columbus and we go uh, on uh, visitation that Saturday and uh, we're at a door and, and uh, I'm with, uh, with Vivian. I've got Elise with me. I got my oldest four with me and, and we're at a door. We're knocking at the door and, and there was just a line of ants. Uh, it was just, it was going all the way from the sidewalk we walked up on through the, 
And if they had answered the door, I, I think those ants were going right through the door. I mean, they were going right in. And, and uh, um, Elise kind of brought up the crab situation. She said, Daddy, look at all these ants everywhere. And I said, I know, there's a lot of them. She said, Daddy, you need to move. I don't want those ants getting on you. I guess I really was pathetic while that crab was around. She thought I was scared of the ants. And I said, well, baby, I don't want those ants on you. You move away. She said, no, Daddy, I don't want them on you. I said, how about this? How about I'll pick you up. And that way, if the ants try to get you, they'll get me first. And I thought about it in that moment about how desperate I tried to protect my daughters from a crab. And even just in jest from ants. And yet how sometimes in our households and sometimes in our homes and sometimes in our personal life, we take a physical critter much more seriously than we even take the reality of Satan. I was... um, I continued to study this, um, and I, as I did that, I thought, Satan is real, and Satan really wants to destroy my children. Satan really wants to destroy my home. I ought to take this seriously. There is a reality of somebody who doesn't want this church to be in existence. There is a reality of someone who doesn't want your relationships to continue that doesn't want to see the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ persevere. And we need to be cognizant of the reality of Satan. So I'm going to start with number one, the titles of Satan as given in scripture. And we're going to be all over the place tonight. So please follow along quickly and I'll, I'll speak quickly, okay? Uh, Mark chapter number three, if you'll flip over to Mark three. And again, understand, please, that contextually there's a sermon in each one of these, but we're, we're just trying to get an understanding of the names, uh, the titles of Satan, number one. And then uh, uh, letter A here is in Mark um, chapter number three, verse number 22. Uh, you'll see there, it says, uh, And the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out Devils. The first name there is Beelzebub, and, and really what this means is prince or ruler of demons. Hey, uh, let me remind you that there is a demonic force about the world. Uh, this is not just some thing that they formulated in Hollywood. It's not just some figment of our imagination. There is a demonic government at work. Ephesians 6 tells us this, and the prince of that demonic world is Satan. We got to remember that. Number one is the name Beelzebub. Go over to the book of John. John chapter number eight. John chapter number eight. Look at uh, verse number 44. You're probably familiar with this. Ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. It's interesting here, he is called a murderer and he is called a liar. We're not getting a great description about this Satan. By the way, the prince of the demons, the government that works in our world today that we can't visibly see, we see the manifestations, we see the end result, but what we're seeing is a prince of the demons that is called a liar and is called a murderer. A word liar is a person who knowingly utters falsehoods, one who declares to another as a fact what he knows to not be true. 
with an intention to deceive. Satan's intentions are to deceive. Uh, back over to 2 Corinthians, we, we started there in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 15, it says this. What concord or what harmony hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Again, a, a whole sermon in and of itself, but the idea of the, the wording of Belial is literally worthless or lawless. Um. I, I want to be a law-abiding citizen, right? As, as far as it agrees with the word of God, I want to be a law-abiding citizen. I want my kids to follow the laws, okay? Uh, Satan would have the opposite. Satan wants us to break the laws, not just the laws of government, but the laws of God. Uh, Satan is lawless. He is worthless, even that word Belial means. I think you're familiar with this one. I'll, I'll say this one, 1 Peter 5, 8. But uh, turn there, turn there. There's nothing like seeing it. Uh, 1 Peter. There's a couple at the end that I'll, I'll tell you. But, but this one's so important. And we're going to be back in 1 Peter a little bit later when we're talking about uh, our response or the timeless truths for Christians. But look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and look at verse 8. Very, probably one of the most common verses, I think. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The word adversary, Satan is called adversary there. The word adversary means an enemy or a foe, one who has enmity at heart. The devil tries to disguise himself as your friend. The devil tries to disguise himself as I know what's best for you. In fact, that's the advertisements in the world. Uh, you, you look at the advertisements for alcohol, it's, it's all fun and games. Uh, you look at the advertisement for sin, uh, it, it's all fun and games. They don't give you the end result of sin. Uh, when lust is finished, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. They don't give you the end results. They show you the, the pleasure of sin for a season. And Satan wants nothing else than to be our enemy, but he disguises himself oftentimes as not our enemy. We've got to be very careful about that, buddy. He is, let it be known to you today that Satan is your adversary. He is not on your side. Satan is your adversary as, a, as you being a Christian. Revelation chapter 12, verse number 9. Revelation 12, verse number 9. Beelzebub, liar, Belial, adversary. Revelation chapter 12, verse number 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Here he's got several names, the serpent of old, the shining one, the deceitful one, the one that came to Eve. Do you remember that? And deceived Eve. The devil, the Greek word diabolos, slanderer or accuser. Satan, the name adversary. Look just a verse down, verse, uh, verse number 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Watch this. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. The accuser of our brethren is one who charges another with committing a crime day and night 
Satan is before God saying, oh, look at this one. Look what he did. Look at what he's done. And by the way, he does that to us sometimes if we're not careful. He'll get it and try to bring up our past and try to bring up what's, what's already under the blood as a saved individual and try to say, you're not worthy to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not worthy to witness for Christ. You're not worthy to be uh, somebody representing or being an ambassador for Christ. And he'll often even accuse us to ourselves. He is an accuser of the brethren. Did that with Job, if you remember. I, I read through Job several times over the past court or the course of this past year. And uh, uh, walking to and fro brings up the name of Job. Look at Job. The only reason Job's doing what he's doing right is because you've blessed him. Brings Job to his knees. And in all this, Job sinned not with his tongue. Revelation 9, verse number 11, not too far from where you're at. Revelation 9, verse number 11 says this. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon. But in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. This literally means destroyer. You know, there are over 40 names, or at least descriptions given to Satan in the word of God. I'll synonymize all of them by the following paragraph. So this devil that we face, Satan, is the shining one, a slanderer, an adversary, an enemy, a foe, a destroyer, the ruler of demons, the author of lies, a liar himself, a deceiver, lawless, an accuser of the brethren, an accuser of all believers in this room and in the church right now. He is as fast as lightning. He lies, he murders, he afflicts, he steals, he pollutes, he blinds, he instigates, he provokes, he sifts, he hinders, he beguiles, he has no loves, he enjoys uh, uh, controversial things, even such as, as abortion and, and sin that is clearly sin in the word of God. He enjoys everything that opposes God. If it's biblically wrong, he enjoys it. And that's who we face. That's Satan. That's the reality. The one that we face, the one right now, that's reality. That gives us some of the titles of Satan. Let's look at the, the, the tactics of Satan. Let's look at, at how Satan operates. I think there are very three basic words that I believe can describe those, and I'd like to go through those with you this evening if I could. Job 1.7, I mentioned this earlier, and the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down it. Three tactics of Satan, which we've really already said each one of them today. We'll look a little bit more in depth at them. Letter A is this. One of the first tactics of Satan is deception. Deception. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, listen closely to this. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Satan would love nothing else than to deceive the world from salvation. Satan hates the gospel. Satan despises the gospel. Satan will blind the eyes of those who are not saved. But I'm so thankful that though that seems so dim and though that seems so, so bad and though that seems so uh, discouraging, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, the only thing that can overcome the deception of Satan is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all that can do it. 
I'd encourage you tonight, if your eyes are blinded to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you have never been saved, you're still wallowing in your sins, you've never called upon the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, can I encourage you tonight that though you are a sinner, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, though you are a sinner, The Bible said in Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, not when we were perfect, not when we finally got it all together, not finally when we attended church, but in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ doesn't say, get good and then come to me. Christ says, come to me right now. And I would encourage you, if you're in here and you're not saved, you don't know 100% for sure you're on your way to heaven. Grab my hand after this service. Talk to Pastor Roger. Let's get that settled today because right now satan would love nothing more than you walk out of here still deceived but the gospel of jesus christ can overcome that it is the only thing that can he deceives in the area of salvation ephesians 6 12 for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places You know, another area that Satan would love to deceive you is that the battle is not between you and him or God and him or Christianity and and, and Satan, but he would love for you to think the battle is between you and your spouse. He'd love for you to think that the battle is between the church members. He'd love for you to think that it's you against Pastor Rogers or Pastor Rogers against you or the church against you and you against the church or you against your children. I always joke, though, that my wife and I have such a great relationship because it's her and I against all of our kids, and we're on the same side against them. But, but seriously, Satan would love to deceive you into thinking that this battle is flesh and blood, that this battle is you against each other. And can I remind you that, that, that our battle is not flesh and blood. It's not us against each other. It's not us. Uh, God, Satan would love nothing more than to, to, to convince you that the relationships in your family are not important at all. Oh, he would love to deceive you into thinking that. That's why, as we said this morning, I've got to have a mind that is stayed on the Word of God. I've got to have a mind that every day renews my mind in the Word of God because otherwise I'll start believing that. Oh, yeah, that's not that that important. My kids, that's not that important. Satan would love to deceive into thinking that we're against one another. He's a divider. God says, no, 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 no. We're in this together against him not against each other. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He'd love to deceive us in the area of salvation. He'd love to deceive in the area of relationships. He'd also love to deceive in the area of doctrine. How much have we seen that? We have more megachurches than we ever have and people that are not even grounded in the word of God. You understand that the doctrine of the word of God is is so vitally important. The the teachings of the word of God and our recognition of of who God is. Listen to me. I I am in Christian education. I have children. I think one of, not the maybe, but one of the most disastrous ways that Satan has deceived the world is through evolution and the teaching of evolution. It completely undermines 
the truth of the word of God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it is rampant. You know, it's, it's evolution, that, that, that teaching that demeans human life. It demeans human life. It, de- it demeans the, the value of human life. I mean, man was created in the image of God. That's why God set up capital punishment in Genesis 1-9. He did that because, or Genesis 9-6, he did that because man was created in the image of God. You take away the image of God, you take away the sanctity of life. And that's what evolution does. And Satan has used that. And he continues to this day. I know there's other, other directions, certainly, that we could go in and, and, and say how Satan's using them, but that is in our schools. I mean, c- consider it. A five-year-old, what a, what a child learns between the ages of three and six often determines the foundation of the rest of their life and the understanding and the things that they believe and what is ingrained into their mind. Today, it's homosexuality is okay, transgenderism is okay, it's, it's evolution is true. I mean, all these things that culture is trying to get our children to accept, and when they get to our age, unless somebody's opposed it with the word of God, it's ingrained. And evolution has done such a disastrous effect to our world. That's why we see suicide rates. That's why we see teenagers that that have no value in their life because they've never been taught that they're valuable. Hey, Jesus died for you. He loves you. You are valuable to him. But when that is removed from the foundation of your understanding or never even in your understanding, Satan wins. And that's why we've got to be adamant about opposing that truth and contending for the truth. So, so important. Satan would love to deceive. Letter A is deception. Letter B is this. Letter B is the tactic of Satan is distraction. Distraction. Satan wants to distract you from the most important. When Peter, with good intentions, tried to distract Jesus from his sufferings in Jerusalem, which would ultimately result in his crucifixion, Jesus said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be be of God, but those that be of men. Jesus knew his purpose on this earth, and Peter was distracted from the main purpose, and Peter was looking at the immediate, and Jesus said, Hey, get thee behind me. Satan. I read an article. This would have been back when, after that vacation, I read an article. The name of the article, and and so it kind of clicked because I I work with a school, but the name of the article was Major Distraction, School Dumps iPads and Returns to Paper Textbooks. From that article, it said this, students could have messages popping up and all sorts of other alerts, said the principal Pitcairn. Also, Kids being kids, they could jump between screens quite easily, so we would look awfully busy, but not be busy at all. And this is what Satan would love. Satan would love for us to look busy and not be real profitably busy at all. Don't be distracted from the main thing, church. Don't be distracted from your walk with God. He'd love for you to wake up tomorrow Just abandon this book, forsake this book, forsake prayer, forsake ministering to your family, forsake ministering to others. He'd love for you to do that. Let us be focused on, as I think a former, maybe it was Pastor Han, but one of my pastors said, keeping the main thing, the main thing. He would love to deceive, he'd love to distract. Finally, let her see his destruction, destruction. 
Luke 22, 31 says this, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Satan would love nothing more than to destroy the foundations of this church. And he's gonna, if he wants to accomplish that, it's gonna be through the homes. Satan wants to destroy the homes. I remember back in my American government class, my, my teacher loved, loved my American government teacher in high school. And I remember he said, he said a, a nation... A nation is built on people. And the, the very basic unit of American government, the very basic unit of a nation is the family. Destroy the family, destroy the nation. And I remember him saying that. Our families are under attack like never before. In Ephesians, God reminds us that husbands are to love, love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The, the marriage relationship is a picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a picture. That is why Satan hates it. That is why Satan wants to destroy it. Because if he can destroy marriages, he can destroy the picture of the gospel to people who are looking. And he wants to do nothing more than to destroy I jotted down a few things. If God wants marriages built up, Satan wants them torn down. If God wants homes built up, Satan wants them torn down. If God wants to build the church, Satan wants to tear it down. If God wants us to build up each other, Satan wants us to tear each other down. If God came to seek and to save that which was lost, then Satan came to blind that which was lost. If God is the giver of life, Satan is the sustainer of death. Satan wants to rip you to shreds. If I was to go back to 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, that word devour, when it says that he's walking around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, the idea of devour is to gulp up. Let me give you an illustration. Gone. In one fell swoop, Satan wants you gone. Everything that, that the Lord has used you to build up, whether that's in your home leading it, whether that's in this church ministering, whether that's in the community, Satan wants to destroy it all. I remember when, when I was administrator, one of the assistant pastors at the time, he said, hey, just remember new levels, new devils. As the Lord gives you more ministry opportunity, the devil takes greater care to give you attention. So there's the titles of Satan. There's the tactics of Satan. Kind of gloomy. <laughs> Woohoo! Yes. But the reason we can still smile and the reason that we can keep pressing forward is because of number three, the timeless truths for saints. How do we do? What do we do? What do we do? The timeless truths for saints. The same way that Satan was battled in the Bible is the same way that we battle him today. It is timeless. In this very real reality of Satan, let's consider the following scriptures. Go to 1 Peter 5. I know we've already been there, but I want you to go there again. 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse number 8. Be sober, be vigilant. That means watch and be awake. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, watch this, as a roaring lion. 
I, I feel that if I saw a lion walking, I would be afraid. I was afraid of a crab. Okay, I, I'd say afraid. I was a little distracted. Okay, but I feel like if I saw a lion just simply walking with its mouth shut, we walk out these doors and there's a lion walking across the way, I probably would stay inside and lock the door. That's just me. Maybe you guys are a little bit more adventurous. I got some kids back in Georgia, so I'd like to be alive by the time I get back there, okay? And, uh, and so if I saw a lion, I'd be a little nervous, especially if that lion roared. I mean, that would intimidate me even more because it's not just a lion walking with his mouth shut, smiling. It's walking, roaring. This roaring lion that is described here is a roaring lion that is on the prowl, seeking whom he may devour. But God doesn't leave us. Look at verse 9. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. We must resist Satan. We're going to look at a verse here shortly that's going to give us another timeless truth. But we must resist Satan. I'm going to start with this timeless truth. Number one is this. We must maintain Satan's presence as a reality. We must. We must remember that Satan is real. I trust that the scripture today has been clear to you that Satan is alive and well and that Satan wants to destroy you and Satan wants to attack your family and leave nothing there. I hope that that's been evident. We need to maintain that reality every day. We need to maintain the reality that when we wake up, the devil is looking for an opportunity to deceive us, an opportunity to distract us, an opportunity to destroy us. Satan is on the prowl. He's not in some circus or zoo. He is walking around seeking whom he may devour. And the only way we're going to resist him is by faith. And the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We will resist Satan as Jesus did with the word of God and by the word of God. Truth number two. We read Revelation chapter 12, verse number nine and verse number 10. Verse Revelation 12, 11 said this, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death. Three things that overcome the accuser of their brethren, Christ's sacrifice, the way they lived, and the priority they did not place on their own life. Let me put it this way. If you want to overcome the accuser of the brethren, get saved, live biblically, and love God more than your own life. What a challenge. What would it be? What could we accomplish for the Lord if it was about him and not about us? What could we accomplish if our, we got ourselves out of the way and just let the Holy Spirit do a work? But too often it's about our, our comforts. If there's one thing that I hope my children learn in this life is it's okay to be uncomfortable for Christ. It's okay to sacrifice for the Lord. It's okay to not have things while you're in service to the Lord because it's not about things. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to overcome the accuser of the brethren, get saved, live biblically, love God more than your own life. Truth number three, James chapter four, verses six through seven. 
Uh, why don't you turn there? It's just a, a few books over. Um, James chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, it says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. It's very clear. And he will flee from you. You better already have submitted to God before you ever try resisting to the devil. But the devil, because the devil is an incredible tempter, but he is incredibly good at making sin look appealing. This is who we're up against. The Bible tells us that sin contains pleasure for a season. And I'll tell you that Satan has a good way of making that season seem pleasurable, desirable, acceptable, and making it seem like it's a very long season. But sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. It's not worth it. The Bible says here, the devil will flee from you. Truth number three, the devil will flee from you if you resist him. Resist the devil. Resist, and he will flee from you. You know how the Lord Jesus Christ resisted in the temptation in Matthew chapter number four? He used scripture. He quoted scripture to Satan. But the Bible says that Satan left for a season. That means it's not just a one and done. Woohoo, I resisted Satan. I can let my guard down now. No, it's, he's coming back. Often with a more intense vengeance than him maybe before because you got the victory. I remember Elijah after Mount Carmel. Remember the discouragement he went through the moment after that great victory upon Mount Carmel? Just because there's a victory doesn't mean another victory is promised. We must stand guard. We must continue to watch for the devourer. Continue to resist it. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Finally, truth number four, and this is in Ephesians 6. Go there. Ephesians 6. One of the, one of the first things I remember my pastor back at Grace um, preaching was in Ephesians chapter 6 and he was talking about the armor of God and he said I remember him saying this each morning I pray through the armor of God and place it on and that just it just it just I just remembered that it resonated with me and I, I began to read and, and and really do the same in the mornings as I would read through verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. As we read earlier, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Watch this. And having done all to stand. This is exactly the opposite of what Satan wants. Satan wants you down. Satan wants you destroyed. Satan wants you to fall. And God says, I'm giving you the formula to stand against the wiles of the devil. I'm giving you the formula to end the day standing. He says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. There was a, a military unit 
that was during the Roman Empire, fighting against the Roman Empire, and the soldiers that were fighting against them, they were known in history as being undisciplined. So much so that they began to leave the armor off that they were supposed to put on. And of course, you can imagine the lack of armor that they were supposed to put on that was commanded to them by their commander would eventually lead to the demise of this military unit and would eventually lead to the death of those that were involved in it, largely because they did not have the armor to protect them against the attacks. And you know what? You and I have the armor of God that he clearly gives to us to stand against the reality of Satan. Oh, let us, let us not forget that God has given us the power through the Holy Spirit to stand against this Satan that we battle. Don't forget about Satan. Ever remember the present reality of Satan, but also remember the reality of God. <laughs> remember the reality of the one who created this universe. The one who has empowered you and can embolden you as well through the Holy Spirit that resides within you as a Christian. And I'd invite you today, if, if you're not saved, there's a battle going on for your soul right now a battle that Satan wants you in hell with him, and God says, I want reconciliation. And it's already been paid for you. All you must do is call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this evening?